for a long time in middle school and high school, I think for about like four or five years, I got really severely bullied in school. I, I was very just like anxious and depressed after that. So like that really affected me, um, but it did kind of push me into wanting to help others. I took an AP psychology course in my senior year of high school. I'm like, all right, this is this is something I'm super interested in and I get to help people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Humans and Magic, the podcast that gets deep and personal with your favorite Magic the Gathering personalities. As always, I'm your host, James Sue. This is episode 70 with Allie Warfield. I've been wanting to talk to Allie since we played a match together last year at one of the Star City Games Opens. I was very impressed by her approach to the game, her mental toughness, and basically in all of the events that had transpired since last year, her ability to work within the community, take criticisms good and constructive and entirely negative, and really just remain focused on her goals as a Magic player and otherwise. She's very approachable, and I had a blast talking to her. To Ali's credit, she was game. She answered just about everything that I threw at her question-wise and was very candid about some things and also opened up about a lot of things that had been in her life recently, like her love of streaming and just getting more involved in magic in certain ways. Really, Ali was great throughout, and I do hope that you'll take the time to listen to all of it. Now, as for the Humans of Magic project... It's been ongoing. As you can probably tell, the episodes are not coming out as fast as they used to. But I am still very much interested in talking to the fine folks that play Magic the Gathering globally. And I still have a list of ideas of whom I should talk to. Please do keep listening. Please do keep supporting the project. And if you like something, if you want something changed, you have requests feel free to reach out to me on social or through my Humans of Magic website, humansofmagic.com. Okay, a few things before we get right into the interview. This podcast is always sponsored by channelfireball.com. There's not much I need to say here. If you like magic singles, you like magic events, you like playing online, you like magic strategy, just check out channelfireball.com. They've got lots of great videos. CFB Pro is basically just killing it with all the all the great content. And yeah, just check them out. The music in this episode is brought to you by Kupla. Kupla is an amazingly gifted Finnish musician who also happens to be a magic player. So I would highly encourage you to check out his catalog of work. You can find it on SoundCloud. Spotify, and just about everywhere you find music. That's Kupla, K-U-P-L-A. Last but not least, if you're looking for some quarantine reading, there's the Humans of Magic book. It contains 12 interviews with 12 of Magic's finest personalities. To get more information about the book and to get some free samples to read, please visit humansofmagic.com. 
All right, introduction out of the way. Let's get right into it. This is episode 70 with Ali Warfield. Today on Humans of Magic, I am here with streamer, school counselor, and Rivals League member, Ali Warfield. Ali, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Right off the bat, I wanted to ask you, like, how has your daily routine been these days? I know you have school, you have magic stuff, but just talk to me about how in general you've been affected by COVID-19. Yeah, so... Summer's actually like kind of starting for me now because I just um, finished up all of my classes and got my final grades. So that's really nice and uh, takes a little bit off of my plate. But um, for the past few months, I've had to um, take my classes online. Luckily, I only have had two more classes, um, but I did have like my in my internship cut short. So um, a lot of like the students I was working with in my internships, I didn't really have the opportunity to keep working with after that, which was um, kind of sad. I feel like I, I mean, like I, like I did an internship for about two years, but even just having a couple months off feels like I kind of missed even more opportunities that I would have as a school counselor. So that was a little unfortunate. Um, I've had a lot more time to play Magic, though, and get into streaming. So that's kind of been a positive upside of this is just like having that time to stream and grow my stream and play a lot more Magic. So I'm I'm never going to complain about playing more Magic, I guess. For sure. Just going back to your classes a little bit. Are you doing the class? Were, were you doing the classes over Zoom like everybody or how, how did that work exactly? Our classes weren't, but I think a couple of my peers in other classes um, did some Zoom meetings. A lot of it was just doing work on my own and then reporting back to our professors um, online. How, how did you find that? Did you feel like it was like a good way to structure things or it just felt strictly inferior to going face to face or like, how did that feel? It ended up being okay, I guess. Like, I typically like doing, like, work on my own as opposed to just kind of, like, learning it through a class. But um, it, it was, like, a little sad not to have, like, that interaction um, and discussion with my peers and my professors. Um, so, I mean, like, it ended up being okay. Probably not the most optimal thing but it was also my last semester so we didn't have it, it wasn't really content intensive so it ended up being okay got it talk to me a little bit about your internship so how frequent was that and before i had to stop unfortunately of course yeah so i actually had two internships this last semester one was in an elementary school and another was in a middle high school which was seventh through twelfth grade um so two completely different settings got to learn 
a lot different things in each place, but I would typically go to the elementary school three times a week and the high school two times a week, so it was pretty much all week thing, um, lots of hours, so I, I was pretty busy throughout the week between the internship, the actual classes, work, streaming, magic, lots going on. Obviously, you're way past high school, but you're not that far apart in age from kids that are in high school. So is it like, does it make the work more relatable for you? Does it make it difficult? I'm just trying to figure out what that dynamic would be like. Um, I think a lot, at least with when I was working with like high school kids, they would like relate to me more and be able to open up to me. I know there was a lot of... um kids who would actually like come back and request me instead of one of the counselors to come talk to um and it's probably just like closer in age having someone that they can relate to uh more closely especially like i don't know i still look pretty young i still could probably pass as a high schooler so just like even though i was like an intern and like not actually their peers they might like see me as someone that they can like relate to and talk to and open up to you're streaming. How how has that been? Has it been fun? Has it been stressful? Like what what's that been like? I started streaming about a year ago and it was kind of just like whenever <laughs> I was free, I would just stream on some nights. Um eventually I got to the point, I think sometime in like November or December, um I started getting like a little like harassed in my Twitch chat like a lot to the point where I made it really unenjoyable and then my laptop wouldn't run uh, Arena and Streamlabs so I just used it as a good excuse to stop streaming for a while um, and then I recently picked it back up um, tw Twitch has kind of like changed some stuff with like actual IP address blocking so haven't gotten harassed it's very nice um, and that's kind of just like spiraled into me actually like really enjoying streaming and um before it kind of felt like a chore just because i would do it after like a long day at internship and class and it's like just one more thing i had to do whereas i have a lot of free time now so i wake up every morning and i'm like i really want to stream and my days off are almost like well what am i gonna do now because i just want to go back to streaming so what do you enjoy more just playing magic on your own or streaming i probably streaming like i think probably because i play so much magic while i'm streaming it's kind of translated into i don't play a lot of magic outside of that now except for arena but yeah so i i guess that would be streaming as of right now um because i guess when i'm not streaming i don't know it's like a little less fun for me because i'm not really like interacting with people so just kind of like waking up and playing moto isn't really what I want to be doing. If I'm streaming, then I'm like, awesome, yeah. The reason why I ask that is because when typically when you're streaming, you're you're playing at a, a at a lower capacity than if you're like really focused and just playing on your own to like play the best you can. I, at least I personally find that to be challenging because first off, I'm already not a very good player, but it's like, I, then I find if I'm doing like a recording or a streaming, then I'm only using like 60% of my ability, you know? So like, I don't know if you run into that or you're just like, good at adapting to to that situation 
Oh my gosh, it was so hard at the beginning to concentrate at all while streaming, and I still mess up all the time because I'm not giving my all to my plays. I'm trying to be entertaining. I'm having fun with chat and everything. Um, so like, if if I want to play like good competitive magic, then like sure, I, that's what happens when I'm not streaming. But um, I think I've gotten a lot better at it, especially having to stream. Um, like the magic fests online where i like have to play well but i'm also streaming so i have like a couple different things to do so i think being kind of in those more high pressure situations and making myself focus on the play too has like helped me be able to stream and still play at least a little bit well uh in the in the thing yeah, and I'm really sorry to hear that there are, you know, these random people or trolls in, in your Twitch chat. Did you end up getting mods or like some additional help to to manage that? Or are you saying the IP blocking and things have just sort of made made it a lot more bearable for you now? So at the time, I put in a lot of restrictions. I put in like, uh, you had to be following me for 30 minutes to talk in my Twitch chat. I removed... Uh, people being able to send links in my Twitch chat. I got a bunch more mods and like all that helped, but like some people would still kind of like sneak through. And I did notice after Twitch did change it to IP blocking that everything stopped. So like that also kind of made me feel better because it made me realize it was probably like one or two people just like perpetuating it. So I'm like, okay, like whatever, two people are trolls, it's fine. <laughs> So yes, we talked about how there are, you know, with the overall situation, your your school, your internships, things have all been affected. But are you seeing any kind of trends either on Twitter or elsewhere, like just in terms of how Magic players are dealing with the pandemic? Like, is there anything that you're seeing maybe from your vantage point, you know, being a trained counselor and such, like how people are dealing with situations or expressing themselves? I think... Um magic twitter community in general has been a little bit on edge i think like a lot of people have just been on edge lately you see um at least like i've seen a lot of people kind of like blow up or engage in a little more drama than usual and i think that's um probably just a symptom of like i'm sure there's not a lot of good support for a lot of people's mental health right now um i know in general like just being kind of like cooped up maybe having less human interaction than usual um just kind of like yeah I, I don't know how else to phrase it other than just like everyone's like kind of on edge so if um something happens like Twitter's gonna like blow up about it, whatever the like hot topic is, and probably people taking things a little too personally. And yeah, that's that's just kind of what I've noticed on Twitter lately. Yeah. Um, I mean I think that's the best way to describe it is um this is a completely different situation. Um at, like a lot of people I know in the magic community, most of their friends live like all across the country or all across the world and a lot of people aren't seeing some of their best friends we're obviously not going to magic tournaments there's like a lot in our lives that's kind of disrupted both in magic and in our personal lives in our work lives and 
yeah, like, uh, once again, the best I could come up with is, like, everyone's kind of, like, on edge, unhappy, maybe not care, like, taking the best care of their mental health now or not having the, like, avenues to do that. I know a lot of, like, like counselors um, had to cut a bunch of, like, their hours just hearing from, like, other peers in my class. Uh, some people's insurance doesn't cover, like, online therapy or anything. Not saying that, like, everyone's needs therapy or something but like just all this stuff kind of like compounding and building on each other is um and you kind of start to see it just like some people being a bit more aggressive online as an outlet i suppose yeah and i guess just the fact that people are so much more tuned into magic these days in a way because at least for some of us like there's nothing to do but just play magic or play more magic than we did in the past and so anything that comes from organized play or a certain new magic mechanics like people are just all talking about it and sometimes it manifests itself in anger i guess uh i guess it's always been that way on magic twitter but it may be a little bit more so these days is is i, I feel that too yeah i think even i mean like you brought up mechanics so like if we're looking at people being really angry about say companions or something um i think in general um I mean, people get mad about new cards and broken cards and mechanics all the time, but maybe that's, like, also a symptom of people are playing so much more magic, so they see companions in, like, I don't know, say, like, six, seven, eight hours of their day, and they're like, well, I'm sick of this, and <laughs> Twitter is somewhere to express their anger. Right. And so what are you personally doing to take care of yourself during this time? Like, Because I, I would imagine that you're not literally in this room the whole day right i could be wrong but uh, but what's what, what's your daily routine like um i actually just moved and that's done a lot of wonders for my mental health actually it was um before i was living in a studio with my boyfriend for like two months because he had just moved here from massachusetts and as much as i love him a studio is not really a place for two people and um just like having more space is really good we also moved in with a couple of my friends um from college so just having kind of like more human interaction is really good for me i at, i guess as a counselor i very much value talking to people so having more people to talk to is very nice um as far as my schedule i typically wake up stream and um just kind of like vary from different things after that. Like sometimes I'll hang out with my roommates. We have a bunch of different things we like to do. Like um, if you've heard of Kirby Air Ride, we've gotten really into that video game from the past. Um, yeah. Dance Dance Revolution we've gotten into. Um, it's just like some, some Netflix shows too. Anything we can I like to take like a walk around the neighborhood once a day just to kind of get out and stretch be active kind of yeah no these are these are all good things uh more space is always good I think I've I recently like bought some stuff for like self-care as well like my stream's going pretty well so I'm like I'm going to treat myself to like some good skincare stuff and just like engaging in self-care is um a big thing too like these these times are like 
pretty stressful and I just want to be sure I'm taking care of myself and my mental health as well. Excellent. So let's get to sort of your your background because a lot of people know you very well for your achievements in and your continued achievements in magic but what i always like to do is just sort of understand where the guests are coming from so i'm not exactly sure where you are physically right now in the us but maybe tell me a bit about your family background and where you grew up if it's like close to where you are right now and yeah just start with that tell me about you know your family background and what your parents did and all that all that stuff Okay, so um, right now I live in Milwaukee, and I've lived in Milwaukee since I went to um, my undergraduate, and um, I'm originally from a Chicago suburb, and that's um, where my family's from and where I grew up. Uh, My mom is a calculus teacher in high school. So every time I uh, mess up math on stream, I'm just like, oof, I'm, I'm disappointing my mom here. <laughs> and uh, my dad is a manager at a grocery store. So um, he is still working throughout this. Um, I have a younger brother who's four years younger than me and um, a twin brother and sister who are eight years younger than me. Oh, wow. Okay, so it was quite a big household growing up. I mean, what, what was it like? I mean, what did you guys do for for fun or for pastimes? Yeah, it was, it's kind of interesting because we have, like, a pretty big a gap in age between, like, most of us, but we always just kind of, like, connected through different things. Like, me and my one brother would play a bunch of video games together, and, I mean, me and my sister now are, like, talk about, like, makeup and do kind of like girly things together um and then like i played soccer for 12 years and my youngest brother also plays soccer so we would like play a bunch of sports in the backyard together um talk about soccer get really into that too wow how how did you get into soccer it was it like one of your parents getting you into it and he just because 12 years in a sport is a pretty long time so talk to me about that Yeah, my, I don't know how I originally got into soccer. I know my dad was really athletic throughout all his life. Like he got drafted into a minor league baseball team, but then he threw out his shoulder. So that ended up not happening. But um, I, I think as a kid, I just ended up playing like literally every sport that I could. Like I was on... A baseball team for a while because there was no softball in elementary school and then I played soccer and volleyball and begrudgingly a season of basketball even though I'm like 5'2 so that that one that one didn't work out I mean 5'2 is not it's not that short <laughs> I think like the average like woman's height's like 5'6 or something so a li- little oh, short okay. there but um okay yeah so I guess like with soccer it was just what kind of like clicked with me probably what i was the best at um so i mean as a kid if you're good at something you like to play it you have fun you keep doing it um i guess not in all cases but i understand generally you're you tend to stay with things that you're better at i mean i think this is true for a lot of people but i'm curious like what position you you played for for soccer um i played striker for the most part or forward um so Kind of having to do with, like, me being short. I was really fast, so I could just kind of, like, 
outmaneuver everyone, uh, get past everyone, score goals. Um, I really miss it some days. What was the scene like in in Chicago? Like, was it was it like a lot of people played soccer in in that area? Or yeah, I think um, there were like a lot of different opportunities for me. Um, especially like getting into high school, there were a bunch of different club teams. I played on my high school team as well. So um, yeah, really just like played soccer all my life growing up. What was your favorite experience just in your high school career, maybe? Oh, gosh, I guess. Maybe there's too many, but if I, if you have yeah, to pick the, one. The, there's like so many. I think uh, qualifying for state my freshman year was probably one of the best ones. Is it because it felt really good because you work really hard for it? Or like, how, how, how was that process for you? Yeah, I think like working really hard, we... Um, we're like a really strong team all season, but like you could definitely see throughout the season, especially it was like my freshman year too. So we were all just kind of like growing with each other and like getting to know each other. So you could definitely see from like the beginning of the season to the end of the season, just kind of like that growth. And just like, as we got more comfortable with each other, you could definitely see we ended up just getting better as well. Got it. And was soccer one of the earliest things that you were competitive in? Or was there just like this strain of things that or trend of things that you were very competitive with, either with just other people, your siblings or somebody else? I think it was really just mostly soccer. And then I played volleyball a bit for a little bit in high school as well. But mostly soccer, volleyball, and I guess now magic. I'm wondering if like your parents or your siblings were equally competitive or was it like it's the whole nature versus nurture argument, right? Like, did you feel like you got started to get competitive with these sports or were you always did you always have that mindset? I, I I think it was something to do with the sports, but like I I played at such a young age that um, it almost feels like ingrained in me and I mean, my my parents would, like, go to all of my soccer games and cheer for me and um, probably inflated my ego a little bit, saying, like, I was the best player on the team or something. <laughs> so I really just enjoyed all aspects of the Saturday soccer game of, like, the whole family comes out and watches you and you, like, celebrate if you win or you can, like, trash talk the other team if you lose <laughs> uh, to your parents. And... Um, then they would just like take all of us out for like ice cream or something fun. So it was just a really nice way to like spend a weekend with my family. Was there something that made you stop or at least stop playing competitively? Is it just like other things in life or like how, how what exactly happened? So I was going to play for my university on their soccer team. I'd gotten scholarships for soccer as well. And my senior year of high school, I ended up breaking both of my ankles and um, couldn't really end up playing uh, my freshman year of college. And by the time that I kind of like rebounded or like felt like I got better, at least to the point where I would be able to play as I was, I was so ingrained in like school and the friends I made there where it felt like it, it was, like, almost too late and also worried about, like, injuring myself again. Um, I just wanted to make sure that, like, school came first before anything else. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, did you break or fracture the ankles like while playing soccer? Is that what happened? One of them was, and I, I ended up like messing up my ankle a lot more than I thought because I actually had kept playing for like five more minutes on the ankle I had just broken, and mm. that ended up like really messing up my ankle. Um, that one got better to an extent. I stopped playing soccer, but I um decided to just like play volleyball it was like a little less intensive on the ankles and then i uh ended up rolling my other ankle over uh stepping on a volleyball during tryouts so then that one was kind of done too i'm like all right this is this is not good for uh my ankles to just like keep pushing through oh man i'm really sorry to hear that that's that sounds really really rough yeah it it was really rough, but, um, and like, I do miss soccer a lot. I definitely got way out of shape and definitely cannot play soccer to, uh, the same abilities I had before, but I think if I ended up playing soccer, I probably never would have found magic or like played magic competitively. So how exactly did you find magic? How exactly did you discover magic either casually or competitively or both yeah so another thing that me and my brother did growing up was play Yu-Gi-Oh with each other not necessarily like the card get like the physical cards but there was a lot of different like um video games that Yu-Gi-Oh had put out whether that be like a classic like Yu-Gi-Oh video game where you're actually playing the game against like computers and stuff all the way to like really like wacky video games that wasn't actually Yu-Gi-Oh, but it had cool like monsters on it. Um, so we were always really interested in that. We got my mom into Yu-Gi-Oh too. Um, and then eventually I dated someone in high school who was like, hey, like if you like Yu-Gi-Oh, magic is a lot cooler of a game. You should try that. I'm like, eh, why don't you play <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh with me instead? <laughs> So right. I, I, I convinced them to play Yu-Gi-Oh! with me, and then they're just like, no, you should really try Magic, I think you would like it. And um, I like played it, and I liked it to some capacity, and then um, they ended up buying me a Commander deck, because that was right when like the like Nekusar, Prosh, like, that cycle of Commander decks came out. So he bought me a... Um, Nekusar commander deck and we would just sit in his basement and play commander back and forth with each other. I'm like, all right, I really like this game. Um, and then um, eventually my best friend from high school, she ended up convincing me to um, go to GP Louisville in like 2016, I think. And that was my first competitive magic tournament. So that was like quite a bit after that. And I just really ended up liking the competitive scene a lot and very, very, very slowly got into it after that. But how, how was that first GP for you? What, what was, what was it like? It's really funny to tell everyone my first competitive magic event was a legacy GP. Um, but gosh, it was, it was really fun to be honest. Like everyone was like fairly nice and welcoming to me i had no idea what i was doing 
Um, I ended up, like, starting off really strong and then, like, ended up losing, like, the last round to make day two. And it was really weird because it was my first event, so I shouldn't have even expected to, like, get that well or, like, do that well. Oh, I was so close. I'm, like, and, like, just, like, the disappointment I felt. I'm, like, you know what? No, I'm... I'm gonna keep doing this, and like that definitely like stuck with me. Of just like, all right, we can, we can do this. We can improve. We can become an okay magic player. Yeah. So what what happened after that? Did you start going to F every FNM, or like how how did you continue to develop yourself as a new competitive player? Yeah. So like that, I think that was like right before college started for me. So going up to. Uh, Milwaukee for college, I ended up um, not really playing Magic for a while because I just didn't know who played Magic there. So eventually I found people that played Magic and then we found a local game store to start going to. So for the next couple of years, it was pretty much just like only play FNM and then play whichever uh, Star City Games Open or GP ended up in Milwaukee, but that was kind of it for at least a couple of years. What was that process? What was that journey like for you? I mean, like in what ways did you level up? Because obviously you leveled up through that through that time. Like how would you describe maybe the things that you did to to get your first level up moment or moments? Going to FNM, I... I, I don't think anyone was, like, trying to have, like, ill will towards me or anything or purposely bring me down, but it definitely felt like, um, I don't know, there's a lot of stories like this of just, like, typically, like, oh, like, that's the woman, she doesn't know what she's doing, um, a lot of people, like, condescending and stuff, so for, I think for a long time, what held me back was just, like, a lack of confidence in myself, um, Especially because, like, I, I don't know. At that point, we had modern FNMs, and I was just playing a lot of Jund. And at FNMs, a lot of people like to just, like, brew funny decks that exclusively beat Jund. So a lot of it was just getting, like, pounded into my head of just, like, well, you're not winning because you're bad. And that was I a see. hard thing to come over. So that was a hard thing to come over for a long time. Um, I don't think I really even got over that until, like... I think it was like six months into actually like grinding the SEG tour um, where I really had any amount of confidence in myself. I think the biggest level up moment I had to this date, though, is um, let's see. I went to visit my boyfriend in Massachusetts and we ended up going to GP Providence and um, it was like a standard GP. So I don't know, like I scrubbed out a day one, but it was. It was really fun. I just played a fun deck because I, I liked yeah, the Grixis deck in standard because it was fun. Um, and then I just played a bunch of side events with uh, modern humans for the rest of the time. And there was one moment after a game where he was my boyfriend was watching my matches and asked me like why I made a certain play or whatever. And I just kind of shrugged him off. I'm like, I don't know. I'm bad. And he's like, no, seriously, like you should be thinking about why you made these plays and what you could learn from it. Like, even if you know you messed up, like, you need to think about, like, why? Like, what was your thought process behind that? And I think ever since then, I've really taken the opportunity to 
think about my plays, even if I like mess up in the time, because I, I still have a problem with playing too quickly, but I can always go back and think about like, all right, what was my thought process behind playing this? And then like, if I did make a mistake, like what can I do in the future to change that? And it really brought just like more like there is autonomy to my decisions and stuff instead of just like either blaming that I'm bad, which means I can't get better, or blaming like variance, which means I'm also not getting better. Right on. So when you started doing that more consistently, then you also develop more confidence, it sounds like, because you're confident in knowing that even if things didn't, even if you didn't play very well, and it happens to all of us, even if you didn't play well at that moment, you can always reflect on it. And that's, uh, that does sound like a breakthrough. Yeah, so I think that alone definitely just shaped how I approach magic in general. And um, so uh, that that was definitely probably my first and biggest level up moment. Um, I guess another level up moment was I forgot when that was. It, it was SEG Cleveland. I ended up getting my best record so far at an event. I 11 forward an event and realized for the first time I didn't have the feeling of, like, being the woman that's playing magic and uh, also learning psychology at the time of, like, the stereotype effect. I'm like, huh, wow. Like, when I, like, am like quote the woman in magic i and like i've talked to other people like this like they have similar feelings of like you feel like you're playing on behalf of all women so if you're terrified of messing up you're more likely to mess up because it's gonna reflect negatively on every single woman that plays magic even though that's so absurd and it's not true but like that's just like what's been pounded in your head at this point so um realizing when that gets out of my head i can actually i don't know 11 for an event or even just be happy with how i'm playing was another huge level up moment for me yeah i mean i think the magic community can there, there's definitely a lot of good people in the magic community i think you and i have some friends in common who are awesome people but i think there can also be a lot of silly or toxic people as well it's hard for me to to say much from my vantage point because I'm I'm a man and I and maybe I'm not exposed to some of those things but as a, as a female player like do you feel that the the odds are sort of stacked against you like the very first time you go into a local gaming store or something like that cuz I, I I don't know I mean I I've definitely played against people that are real jerks and so it's not like gender is always a part of it but from your first-hand experience, like, do you do you feel that the odds are stacked against you, or do you feel like people automatically judge you because of who you are, like, without even even knowing you when they sit across the table from you? Yeah, I think um, now I think it's a lot better as more people know who I am and maybe treat me with more respect. But um, there, there's definitely still points that. Um, I definitely think like things are said to me or things happen that would not happen to me if I was like a man, let's say. And um, I, I've also like definitely gotten better with it. Like there, there's some extents of just like if people, I, I've had people like treat me like I have no idea 
what I'm doing in a game, like just from sitting down across from them. Um, one thing like sticks out in my head is I played against this legacy player who, oh my gosh, he was just like so rude to me the whole time and like read my own cards to me and still like got like the rulings wrong too. Like he tried to tell me like, <laughs> like, like Umazawa's GTA did something. I'm like, it, it doesn't do that. And like, to some extent, like, like if someone's going to treat me like that, like I kind of play into it too of just like, oh, like you think I don't know what I'm doing. So like if I lean into that and then just blow you out with a play because it's not even on your mind that I could like <laughs> have that like right. capacity or thought in my mind. So like it, I shouldn't like have to do that though. It's just like, I just want to play magic. I want to be like everyone else. Like, I don't know. So there's definitely like, like small things like that. It was a lot more prominent when I first started playing but now now it's it's less so and maybe that's because more people know me maybe it's because i've gotten more confident in myself or maybe people are getting better and i hope it's all of those <laughs> yeah um it's interesting that you touched on it i would imagine for people that are very dismissive or condescending it also leads to this weird thing in their brain where there's a kind of cognitive dissonance it's like well clearly ali's playing well but i can't I can't put that in my head that she's playing well because of who she is as a as a woman. So then it's like, how how does one reconcile that? So maybe then that leads to people trolling you or like saying like like because clearly you have results. Like you you can, you've already shown your standing in the magic community. But if there are still people that continue to dismiss your accomplishments, and I think that's really some kind of weird cognitive dissonance on their part, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's definitely to the point where I can't even be bothered to have any of those, like, troll comments bother me. I think at first, like, I did of, like, people say, like, oh, my first GP top eight was, doesn't count because I was carried, even though I had the second highest win rate on my team. Like, um, yeah, so people are just, like, still going to say that, and then, like no matter how many like MC top 16s I have or like another GP top eight on my own, it just doesn't matter to these people. So like, it like they're literally like looking at other facts saying, and still just like saying like, oh, I got carried or whatever. So it's just like, they're, they're just gonna keep thinking about thinking that about me and other women. So it, it just doesn't matter. So there's no point in letting it bother me anymore. So you have learned to develop thicker skin, basically, just through the whole course of this thing. Yeah, definitely. One thing I have noticed about you on, on social is that you're very good at, you know, being humorous and, and all these kind of things. But maybe I'm reading too much into it. But sometimes I also feel like you, you're a little bit guarded, right? Maybe something has happened in the past, which have, has made you put up your shields a little bit more. And I think you just talked to talked about some of that. Do you find it difficult to be genuine or be yourself in on a social platform like that? I can see if I was in your position, it may be difficult to really put yourself out there. Yeah, I I mean, I try and be really I guess upfront at least on like a mental health uh aspect just um 
like I'm really open about counseling being a huge part of my life and stuff. So at least when it comes to mental health, I still like try and be like upfront, like, hey, y'all, I'm not streaming today because I'm feeling really anxious or something and just like kind of be upfront about that. But um, I mean, like having as many like followers as I do now, eh, everything I say is seen by a ton of people. So like, I don't want to just like, like, sometimes it, like, sucks a lot, right? Like, I can't really mess around with my friends on Twitter anymore because it's, like, now I am seen as, like, some kind of magic personality now instead of just, like, this is my personal account. You're a known public figure in magic now, so. Yeah, so it's, like, this is my own personal account, and I definitely, like, try and be myself as much as possible. Like, I'm definitely like being genuine when i tr when i make tweets but like i definitely hold back on like oh i'm not gonna make like a joke here or i'm not gonna um maybe like respond to a friend how i would if i had like a hundred followers or something do you feel any type of quote-unquote responsibility towards the community in terms of like what you should or shouldn't say i mean yeah, I think so, but it's also, I don't think it's directly related with magic, too. It's a, like, a lot of my classes we took um, in counseling is just, like, you kind of, like, take it and it becomes, like, ingrained in who you are. So we took a lot of classes on, like, multicultural counseling and cultural competence and diversity and a bunch of stuff like that, so... I mean, like, any anything that I, like, speak out on as, like, a public figure is stuff that, like, I truly care about. I'm not just gonna, like, say stuff for likes or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I, I care so much about other people, and I just want everyone to be treated with respect, and there's... Like, I don't know, there, there's a lot of people in my life that are affected by a lot of different things, and maybe they don't have the voice to stand up and defend themselves or do anything like that. So, like, obviously, like, making a tweet isn't going to change a lot in the big scheme of things, but I'm going to do my best to stand up for the people I care about in my life. Is that the... The, the thing you like the best about social platforms is like being able to be representative or be or have a voice or is it is it something else? I mean, it's definitely a big part of it. I like to think I have um, some amount of impact on people's lives, like whether or not um, they just like see something I post and they know that they at least have one force person who will support them and be there for them. Um, so, I mean, that that's really important to me, and that's definitely something good that can come out of social media. Is there something in general that you would say is, like, kind of frustrating with, you know, being on social platforms or interacting with the, the community? I think there's this conception. I don't know. I, I tweet a lot of different advocacy things, and I think there's this conception in a really small subset of the magic community that um, people post about like diversity or 
uh, advocacy and stuff like that for quote like clout and it's for likes and attention and like i'm sure some people do that but i don't know just the the thought of that just like feels so wrong as a counselor just like i'm tweeting things that i care about and they're close to me and they're close to my heart and the people i care about so it's it's frustrating to see um posts like that like people are only calling out like ableism or racism or sexism for internet points it's like well no i'm calling stuff out because people in my life are affected by this i'm affected by this and i care about these topics i'm obviously getting pushback from people so it would be much easier to just shut my mouth and not say anything but i want to be a good advocate i want to be a good ally i want to support the people in my life and myself so i'm going to keep doing it I see. So it's frustrating to to be sort of uh, misattributed. Like if you really care about something and you wanna you wanna raise awareness for it, like it's it's frustrating for people to dismiss that as just cloud chasing or however you want to call it, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Not to mention, I think there's easier ways to get likes. Like if you just if you if you were really into that stuff, I. I mean, I'm not an expert. You, you, you're definitely more of an expert than I am. But it's like there are much easier ways to get people to to like something than to post about that. So, no, you're right. It's much easier to like post something that doesn't like that isn't a hot topic or like divides people. Like that, that's an easier way to get likes because it's something that like everyone could like or something. Yeah, you mentioned your stream. Like, is that would you say that's the thing that you're proudest of building outside of your magic tournament finishes or is it is it other things like uh, this question doesn't have to be magic related but like what are things that you built in in recent years maybe from 2016 to now that you're the most proud of I mean yeah I think I'm proud of building my stream a lot um it's not really something that I thought would be a potential like career avenue because i've just spent all my time in school but like i'm getting like at least like fairly close to getting partnered and like that just opens up a lot of opportunities too so i mean we can see how that goes um so i'm proud of my work there i think i'm really proud of both getting into grad school and graduating um that's something mm -hmm. i'm very proud of undergraduate was really rough for me so just being at the point that I am in my life in general uh, makes me really proud of myself. Are you looking to have uh, a lifelong career in counseling? I'm not sure what's what's the right term for it, but like, is like this the what you studied in undergrad and in grad? Like, is that are you are you gonna take that forward indefinitely and just have that be your full time profession? Yeah, I, def I definitely like to. I keep applying for some counseling jobs, but um, I think in the current situation, uh, schools don't even really know if they're going to be having in-person classes in the fall. So it it's pretty risky right now to hire people. I, I hope I get a job, but if not, I, I do have streaming full-time as a fallback. And if I do get a job, I can still... Um, stream full-time in the summers and stream at nights in not the summer 
So if you were to, uh, you know, compare streaming with some of the other mediums like writing or podcasting or doing coverage or just playing magic on your own, like how, how would you contrast these things? Like, do you have a, is streaming the clear favorite for you or how, how do these things rank in your mind? I think streaming is definitely my favorite. It takes like a lot less effort to just like, I mean, like multitasking of like streaming and playing well is obviously very difficult, but I can just like roll out of bed and turn on the camera and just like start interacting with the community and people I care about. Um, Writing's always like a little bit harder for me. I really enjoy writing and I think I've gotten to the point where I'm, I'm a decent writer. I wouldn't say I'm a great writer, but um, that that's still always really hard for me because I get really distracted really easily. So it's hard to just kind of like complete an article. I try and just like complete an article all in one go because if I don't, it'll take me days to complete. But um, I guess I also like podcasting. I think streaming is just like also my favorite because it, it seems like the most personal, personable to me. Of just like, I guess not face to face interaction, but like everyone in my chat like gets that like personal interaction with me. I can interact directly with them through chat, and um, it, it just seems like the best way for the community or like my community to like get to know me as an actual person, as opposed to like here's my strategy article or here's the topic we talked about on this podcast today. Do you consider yourself more on the introversion scale or extroversion scale? Uh, super ironically, as a counselor and uh, magic uh, community figure, I am such an introvert. Is I I don't know. I actually I think I'm like that like weird mix of like a shy extrovert where like I generally I genuinely do like talking to people and being around people as much as possible but i'm also just so incredibly shy and a lot of people have like taken that as like me being unapproachable or like mean or something i'm like no i'm just i'm (laughs) unbelievably shy i'm really scared of not like people not liking me because i know people aren't going to like me but like i don't know i'm just like scared i'm going to make a bad impression with like people in general i guess i don't know i i don't know how to phrase that but i am oh no i no i totally get it i can tell that you're um you kind of like are between introvert and extrovert because i've often found talking to streamers that they're very introverted so ironically it's like when you're doing the stream you can say all these kinds of things or when you're Writing, you can write all kinds of things, but face to face, I've ta- I've met a lot of streamers, and they often don't end up being like the people that I see on camera. Like, there's something about being on the stream that that transforms them, and I I would guess that you you fit a bit on that spectrum as well. Yeah, I think the hardest um, for me is really like initiating in person conversations with people because I just don't know like what like they want to like talk about in some aspect like i don't know like because like i'm super like wary as a counselor too of just like i don't want to like dig too deep when someone's just trying to have like a hey what's up conversation um 
So it's always just kind of like a weird, like if someone's like talking to me first, then then everything's okay, but. Yeah. And I'll, I'll use a personal example now. Like the, the one time that we ever met, I think it was like maybe last year because it was when I was on the East Coast and we were in the same SCG together. I think we actually played around in Legacy. It was like when Ren and Six was around, I think you were playing Rug Delver and I was playing Dark Depths. Uh, not to get too much into it, but we we sat down from each other and we were playing. And obviously I knew who you were as a as a person, as a Magic player, but I was so focused on like trying to win that round. So I didn't say anything. I didn't even say like, hey, Ali, I, uh, I know you from Twitter. Like, hey, love your work. Like I just sort of like put my my game face on and just like try to really focus to, to play them. I don't even remember what happened in the match, but it's like, and I, what I'm trying to say is that like in a magic tournament, it's actually quite hard to sometimes do small talk with people that you don't really know, because I think I'm pretty sociable when we're talking in this sort of podcast medium, but normally I also wouldn't just go up to somebody and say like, Hey, Oh, you know, and just strike a conversation with them. It just, it just doesn't, it's just not in my DNA. So I, I can somewhat relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I think it makes it easier, too, of, like, at events, a lot of people tend to, like, come up to me and start talking, and I'm like, all right, this is, like, they approached me, <laughs> right, this is cool, right. like, this is something I can handle. Um, I do, now that you're talking about it, I do remember our match. I remember I looked up um, a bunch of, like, of the uh, Magic, um, the the DCI matches and Magic stuff since they're, like, getting rid of that, so I went through, like, all of the... Um, past matches I've had and we I saw that we played and now that you're bringing it up I completely remember that yeah I think it was in Syracuse it's got to be in Syracuse that was like when yeah that's like the only place that plays legacy I know but it was ages ago so it feels like 10 years ago now with all the stuff that's happened but uh yeah yeah but what's the weirdest thing that someone has just come up to you and just started talking to you about like almost maybe not even talking with you but just talking to you there's got to be like some some weird stuff right oh my gosh there's i don't even <laughs> i don't even know i i probably can't even condense it into like one weird instance of just i think in general the like worst is when someone comes up to you and starts talking but like doesn't like introduce themselves or even like tell you where they're from they just like start talking as if right you know them or whatever and you're trying really hard not to be rude and be engaging but i'm also sitting there like have have we met before <laughs> you're we, just have, horrified have like am I, am I in the right before? conversation <laughs> yeah 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 do i know you from twitter do i know you from twitch do i not know you at all <laughs> like, yeah yeah um i guess like a handful of just like really weird like stories behind cards people want me to sign i've i've signed some like really weird cards <laughs> that just like i signed an invocation force of will once i'm like why that's <laughs> so expensive <laughs> i was gonna ask you what's the weirdest thing that people have asked you to sign that's got to be on the top of the list right yeah that's that's up there i i really like the um the people that do come up with like cards that I've played in decks like that makes sense and that like I don't know that makes me really like happy too like my friend made me sign all of his casualties of war after MC7 so that was that was yeah. really nice <laughs> that's good that's good okay so um just shifting gears a little bit 
about your studies. I know, I know you had touched on it, uh, but what was the thing that made you decide to study what you're studying now? Like, was there a particular life experience or things that led led to wanting to become a counselor? Um, I mean, feel free to share as little or as much as you like, but I, I just kind of want to, because you obviously you put a lot of time and into like your studies. So like, what, was there something that, that really drove you there? Um, I think I had a lot of different experiences growing up that kind of led me to um, like psychology and counseling. Um, for a long time in middle school and high school, I think for about like four or five years, I got like really severely bullied in school, um, which ended up leading to a bunch of different like mental health problems. I, I was uh very just like anxious and depressed after that um especially going into college um which is why i was like so proud of like getting into graduate school and earning a 4.0 and everything because like i almost didn't get there because i was so depressed i was just like wasn't going to classes um so like that really affected me um but it did kind of push me into wanting to help others so I took an AP psychology course in um my senior year of high school I'm like all right this is this is something I'm super interested in and I get to help people so I went into undergraduate with a um psychology major and kind of like stuck that out managed to graduate um, and then, yeah, like, when applying for graduate school, just kind of, like, you can't really do a lot in psychology with a psychology degree, um, with a bachelor's, you kind yeah, of you need, need, like, you need more, yeah. yeah, yeah, you need, you need more if you actually want to be in psychology, so, um, I ended up choosing school counseling, because I think there's a lot that, like, you can do as a school counselor, um, that, like, other counselors don't necessarily get to because you get to like just know a kid for like up to like f four five six years of their lives and get to see them like in school you can actively like help them with things that they're dealing with a lot of like psychotherapies and stuff like take a really long time to progress through you only really like see like your client like once a week or something but like being in the school actively like having different like solutions focused um ways to help the students was something i was really interested in um and then of course like the age group i would much rather work with kids than adults so that's helped me like hone in on school counseling you prefer working with kids because you want to perhaps help people who struggled in the way that you had struggled in your, your past or like, is it, is it, or you just don't like uh, adults or something like that? I mean, that's, that like probably has something to do with it in my subconscious of some, uh, some sort, but um, I generally just like, like working with kids and adolescents. Um, it feels like a a lot of things that um 
kids and adolescents struggle with, like, I feel like I can relate to more because, like, there is a lot of stuff with, like, bullying in schools and even just, like, being an adolescent is something, like, a lot of, like, all of us can really, like, relate to. Um, Whereas, like, I don't know, a lot of adults have just kind of, like, some other stuff. I, I might feel, like, out of my element a bit, but... I don't know. Maybe that changes as I get older, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm much older than you are. I was born in the eighties and I think you were born in, is it the late nineties? 96. 96. Yes. That, that explains your, um, maybe your Skype handle or, or some other handle I saw. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and now you're working with kids who are born in the two thousands and, you know, 2010s. So, there's obviously a universal uh, challenge with being a kid in any decade or era, right? But are there things that you find about working with younger kids, like younger than you, that are sort of like unique to their times? Because like, like as an example, when I grew up, we had like ICQ, like there was no, there wasn't all this social Instagram, Snapchat stuff. So like, I know there can be a lot of like bullying and just like making you, people can just make you feel like shit through the magic of these social platforms now that I had no exposure to when I was growing up. And, and I think you're in that age where, where your, your era, your era is like, you already have all that, but like, is there something about like maybe even younger adolescents now? It's like, they, I, I can see in some ways they're dealing with more crap than, than I had to deal with. I don't know if that's like trivializing or generalizing, but I like, what are some trends that you see with maybe, maybe the younger folks today? I mean, like, when I was in high school, there was definitely, like, more technology, um, but even, like, now, I think it's so much worse. There's so much more, like, cyberbullying and stuff like that, so that's been a huge trend. Like, in all of the schools I've worked at, they either all have, like, their own school-issued, like, iPad or Chromebook, and that's nothing I ever had access to in high school, Um, so that's kind of different. I was working in an elementary school and this uh, fourth grader, maybe she was a third grader, she asked me if I had a TikTok. I'm like, we're, <laughs> we are not going there. Yeah. I was just like, like wow, I, I was so not on this level when I was um, their age, but uh, I can definitely see that. I also think um, there's like a bunch of like studies trying to like correlate and link um more depression with social media usage, so maybe just an increase in depression among like kids and adolescents too. Something to be aware of in this time while counseling. Is there any advice that you would? Uh, first of all, this is not a professional podcast for psychology, so it's like I, I'm not going to expect that anything you say here will be like you know someone. It's just your perspective, right? But is there something that you would say to? people that you're counseling or kids like that are, are actually being bullied either in real life or cyber bully. Like, is there something that they can, they can do to, to hopefully make their situation better? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like a lot of uh, resources that we hand out and just kind of like, I, I like to think that people now, like adults now, especially in schools are more aware of like the effects of bullying, what bullying looks like. So even like reporting bullying to a teacher, a counselor, 
administration might actually have appropriate consequences. Whereas, like, when I was in high school, like, it just kind of made bullying worse. And I think that's still kind of the perspective a lot of times. But I think there's actual things that can be done. And there's even, like, some, like, state legislature, depending on where you live, that, like, punishes bullying. So, and, like, cyberbullying. So just, like... I don't know. Like, th- th- I think things can actually be done nowadays, at least in schools. So I think that's important to remember. Okay. So maybe talking to uh, the authority figures in schools and hopefully they're more sympathetic to these types of issues uh, now than possibly in the past. Yeah, I think um, a lot of like teachers and counselors I've worked with have had a lot more training on... Uh, both like what to do and also just being like empathetic towards the student being bullied. Yeah. Okay. And, and when you're working with kids, are are they do they tend to open up quite easily, or are they, or is it just very is it challenging, or like, it, or do you have a certain style that you you adopt that that gets them to open up more easily? Um, I definitely have a lot of students that are just like willing to open up, like right off the bat um which probably has to do a little bit about my age as well um if students are being a little bit more reserved i might share a little something about myself i might um tell them that there's like no pressure to talk to me or like even relate to them be like well like you're only Like, I'm only talking to you because I care about you. Because, like, a lot of times these kids might not have anyone else in their lives that really care about them. And, like, I do. And I think a lot of other counselors really do care about their students. So just kind of vocalizing that um, is something that helps an amount of kids that I've seen. I see. Now, Allie, we're going to get to the rapid fire round. So I'm going to just ask you... A number of questions, they may not necessarily be related, but, uh, you know, we'll just have some fun with this. Are you okay with that? Yeah, definitely. How do you keep your composure during the heat of competition, whether magic or otherwise? Um, I think I've gotten to a point where I try and utilize different kind of like relaxation techniques. Um, Definitely happened. It was definitely the worst at um, MC7. I got my first feature match was my winning in to day two of uh, the arena MC and I'm on camera and I'm playing against Chris Pakula. So I'm like sitting there ha- just having like a anxiety attack. And I guess what I did is I just like put both of my feet on the ground and put my hands on the table and just like took deep breaths and focused only on the game and tried to push literally everything else out of my mind. MC7, what was your overall takeaway from MC7? And overall, did you like the experience? Uh, that that was definitely probably my favorite Magic tournament I've ever played in. Um, just the, the environment was so different and amazing and unreal. I guess one of my takeaways is I really love playing against the best players in the world. It brought something out of me that I never really expected. Like, I feel like that was some of the best magic I've played in my entire life. 
and I just keep like chasing that honestly like I want to keep playing against these best players so I can play to my best capacity again I see so it's kind of a pressure makes diamond situation just like you want you really want to step up your game because you you sense the competition level is much higher yeah yeah and just like I think when you're also playing against like really good players you um can kind of like think through lines like what would be the best thing that like they could do in the situation so it's almost like playing against better people makes it like easier like in a in a sense because like they're all of their lines make sense and maybe if you're playing against someone newer like they might make a line that doesn't make any like conceptual sense to you so you don't play around it oh so if you're playing against uh let's say uh uh, I guess Nasif or Pakula, like if they made the play, you would have to assume like 100% of the time that they there's an intention behind that play. So you have to then kind of like reach hard into yourself to figure out how you how you respond to that. Uh, maybe that's just how I'm interpreting your your answer. Yeah, definitely like something along that lines, or like you make a specific play, uh, knowing that someone like Chris Bakula or um, PVDDR or someone else would make a specific play because that's probably the best play that they could do in that spot. So if they don't do that, you're like, oh, well, like, they obviously don't have that card anymore and you get that knowledge. Whereas, like, so someone else might just, like, make a different play and kind of throw you off. I know that's, like, kind of hard to describe without a specific example, but... Yeah, there's just so many levels when you're playing with uh, high-level competition and the... Okay, next question. <laughs> what are some similarities between competitive magic and competitive soccer, if the, if any exist? Um, I guess really just, like, the competitive angle. I feel like... I don't know, it was actually really hard for me to go from... Uh, competitive soccer to magic because soccer just kind of came naturally to me and I was just naturally really good at soccer so coming into magic and actually having to like work really hard to get okay at something was was really different and kind of like hit me hard a little bit I'm like well I want to be competitive but I'm not like as good at this as I was at soccer. So it was just like another like mental thing I kind of had to push myself through. What was it about magic that made you push through? Because uh, I think in general, we, we tend to stick with things that we are good at almost right away or have a lot of experience in maybe with, as, as, as your case with soccer. But for, for magic, what, what made you keep going through all these years? I mean, a lot of people say it, but I think it's definitely the gathering like i've met so many amazing people through magic obviously the game is really great too and i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't enjoy the game but the people i've met through magic are just um like my boyfriend um lifelong friends uh, it's just it's really amazing and actually like seeing those level up moments too of like this moment specifically changed how I play magic, how I approach magic, and what comes after that, and seeing 
just like learning and growth through that really kind of like makes the point like okay like i i can actually do this if i want to and i can push through and just work and try my best who's your favorite soccer player and why Oh my gosh, it's so far removed. I I don't think I could even come up with an answer, to be honest. <laughs> Let me rephrase the question. Maybe not a professional player, but are, is there was there a particular soccer player that you looked up to when back when you were playing soccer, either like in your circle or just just uh, nationally or something? Um, I I don't think I really looked up to anyone specifically. I know me and my mom would always watch like the World Cup though and we would just like also watch like the Real Madrid games and follow that team pretty closely, but um yeah, other, other than that, I didn't really get into like the soccer culture outside of like the World Cup. Got it. So who's your ma- favorite Magic player and why? Other than yourself, of course. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's like, a hard question. I have a lot of, like, different favorite Magic players for so many different reasons. Um, I've mentioned uh, Chris Pakula just because of everything that he's, like, done to make Magic what it is today. Um, I think, uh, personally, as my friend, Emma Handy is definitely one of my... <laughs> favorite magic players i think her like theory behind the game is unreal and i would really love to get to that level someday and i guess as um just like a pro i always looked up to before i really started playing magic was definitely a bbd um followed him winning worlds and i just i don't know i I loved all the decks he played and i was really interested in it so i'm like all right i like you you play cool decks (laughs) <laughs> yeah this is a loaded question right because if someone listens to this and they're not they were not mentioned they'll probably be upset but uh, <laughs> i digress <laughs> uh what are your thoughts regarding the future of magic esports what do you think magic esports is doing well and what do you think can be done better i i, th- I think just it like what they've tried to do magic esports for like one to two years so i think um it's like a little late in the game and i think people are expecting just magic to be like an esport overnight so i think like what has been happening so far like has been really good progress like i i don't think magic is gonna like become the number one esport just like in a year or two like so just like keep developing keep um pushing through and (laughs) yeah um I think something that they could do better is probably like the actual like tournaments like both on like in paper tournaments um the arena mcs even like moto tournaments is like i think like prize structuring probably needs some amount of work like prize scaling especially on moto um as far as like Arena, I, I know, like, some people have had issues with, like, um, is it, like, competitive integrity, probably just, like, making sure um, the actual tournaments are run as best as they can be in the future. But I think, like, everything's a work in progress, and I'm not going to get too mad if after a year they're not there yet. 
Right on. What are your goals in the next three to five years, either professional or magic related or both? Well, I would definitely love to have a school counseling job by then. Um, I I would love to get partnered on Twitch. Hopefully that's something that can happen. And I mean, like setting goals for magic is kind of weird. Like I never expected that I would be where I am after playing competitive magic for a year and a half. Like I know people spend so long trying to do any of this. So it's like super surreal for me and also kind of like I feel guilty even though I know I shouldn't. Um, but like, I don't know, playing on the PT was never something I thought I would reach. So actually getting here is really weird for setting magic goals. Um, I suppose my biggest magic goal would be to keep like staying in rivals and maybe make MPL, but I still feel like I'm so far off of that. Got it. What would you tell the younger Allie if you could go back in time five years? What would you tell her? Oh gosh. Um what do I tell her? I mean, I'm like happy where everything in my life is right now, so I probably wouldn't say anything to change any of that, but probably just like it gets better and you're going to be happy. <laughs> I don't know. That's always a good one. Yeah. Why is your favorite Facebook emoji the pushing cat? Explain that. It's so cute. I love cats so much. I have, I even have like pushings right on my desk. Uh, everything is readily available. I, I don't know. It, it honestly did start out as the uh, Facebook stickers. I'm like, these are adorable. And then I found out that it's like, there's like pushing comics, and there's a whole store, so you can buy a bunch of different pushing things. So. Yeah. Okay, so just just love at first sight, I guess. Um, so you're you're into cats in general, like you're a cat person. Oh yeah, I love cats. I was going to get a cat when we moved, but one of our roommates is allergic to cats, so I've been looking into um, hypoallergenic cats. And there's actually a lot of um, Siberian cats around us, so I might I might go grab a kitten one of these days. Oh really? So that breed of cat just doesn't affect people that have uh, typical cat allergies. Yeah, I was really surprised by that. I looked it up and I probably couldn't recite back to you why they're actually hypoallergenic, but I definitely wasn't in interested in like the hairless cats, so I was like kind of sad and then I discovered there's actually cats with hair that are hypoallergenic, I guess. Hmm. That's uh that's good to know, yeah. All right. Um any folks you want to shout out before we uh wrap things up here anybody at all uh maybe your boyfriend maybe people you know anybody you can think of yeah um i guess i'll i'll give a shout out to my boyfriend dylan hand he's um been very supportive in all of my magic um career and everything i've done he's um definitely helped me probably grow the most in magic um also want to shout out Emma Handy as well. She's definitely helped me grow in magic. I'll also shout out my mom because she's one of my best friends and I love her and I really miss not being able to see my family during uh, these times. But 
hopefully that gets better. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna have to have one one question. Like, how did you and Dylan meet? Like, what were the particulars around that? Did did you guys just play magic in a tournament or something and just hit it off? Like, how did that work? Um. Oh my gosh, this this story is like cute, but also kind of embarrassing. Um, we were like mutual followers on Twitter. I had never um met him but apparently he had like seen me at a couple events and he said um he wanted to come to talk to me but he was too shy so that was kind of funny but um he oh wait the first time i talked to him um i knew he was like a human he played like modern human so i asked him for a sideboard guide and he ended up writing out an entire detailed sideboard guide for me which he hadn't done for anyone else before when I learned this later, I'm like, oh, that's cute in a weird, like, magic way. Right. But um, I I really, like, noticed him. He, he posted this picture of himself, and I thought he was really cute, so I sent him a DM. I'm like, hey, I'm not trying to be creepy, but this is a really cute picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, then he, and then we exchanged numbers and started talking. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, at that point, like, I still hadn't actually met him in person so i convinced one of my friends from michigan to pick me up in chicago and drive us both to scg atlanta which ended up being like a 15 hour drive (laughs) and yeah so yeah that's where it gets a little embarrassing drove 15 hours to meet a boy but i obviously worked out well if we've been together for two years now (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, congrats on, on two years. And uh, I, I guess technically you made the first move. So that is, that is very cool. First with the cyborg guide and then with the, the DM. Oh, uh, yeah. So, Ali, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, I wish you all the best during these uh, challenging times. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on your next stream, wherever that is. I guess I must have just missed one, but uh, hopefully uh, there'll be there'll be more. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I This was always, like, something I knew of. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'll ever be cool enough to be on this podcast, because I really like your podcast a lot. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, you're you're very cool, so there's no, there's no issue there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Humans and Magic. To get more information about the show and to join the mailing list, please visit humansandmagic.com. And don't forget, the Humans and Magic book is now available on Amazon for both paperback and Kindle. We'll see you next time.